Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to this week's installment of Impact Cyber Church. You know something? Every week I am prayerfully bringing you uh, messages that fit in what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make people whole and equip people for ministry. And you know something? I, I am helping you become whole so that you can find your destiny, so that you can uh, fulfill your your passion to help and serve other people, not just become a selfish, self-centered Christian, uh, but you can make your life count and you can have an incredibly enjoyable life in the process. Now listen, uh, today we're going to be talking about bringing pleasure to God. I I love this message, but it's it, it's so deep and such a heart thing. I don't even know if I can explain it in in, in regular words in a way that's effective. It's something you got to catch more than something you got to learn. So I'm going to be right back. We're going to talk about bringing pleasure to God. You know, I've got a great free gift for you this month. It's a message called the extravagant love of God. I want to tell you something. I want you to get saturated in how much God loves you because then you're going to fall in love with Him and your life is going to work the way it's supposed to. Hey, let me mention before I dive into the message, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure right now to click the like button below. Man, when you click that button, it causes thousands more people to have the opportunity to see these messages and we get to help them and get to bless them. But now listen, let's dive right into this thing. You see, the fact that we're called into a relationship is really a, re it's a, it's a reality that really seems to be lost to this generation. You know, when you start br talking about bringing pleasure to God, uh, some people would not even believe it's possible. Some people just don't even believe that God has emotions. And some people would think, well, just because I'm a Christian, I'm bringing pleasure to God. Well, you know, we, we need to talk through some of that. You see, most people relate to God in some form of legalism. But before you pass judgment, say, oh, yeah, I'm not a legalist, but those people over there are. Let me tell you, there's a lot of different kinds of legalism. And there are some things that we probably need to understand uh, to really determine if we're in legalism. See, we tend to understand legalism when it's in the form of works righteousness because works righteousness is where you are trying to observe the law and, and that's going to be your basis of standing before God. That's going to be your confidence before God. You're going to earn something from God by doing all the right things. That's really, really easy to spot. But the truth is, there's what I call grace legalists or love legalists or even their miracle legalists. There's all, there's all anointing legalists. There's a lot of other subtle yet incredibly uh, powerful and prevalent forms of legalism today. And that's when we try to relate to God on the basis of the contract. Now, see, Jesus established the last will and testament uh, and in this, just like any last will and testament, it has all the rights, all the privileges, all the benefits, all the things that are inherited. And Jesus inherited all of those things. And of course, we participate 
in everything that Jesus inherited because uh, it's his inheritance. He obtained it. We're not trying to obtain it. We're just sharing in it because we are in him. And so many people take the contract, which is sort of like taking a marriage license out and waving it around. And, and they relate to God from the perspective of, well, this is what I have in Jesus. This is what's rightfully mine. Since it's rightfully mine, basically, I don't have to do anything to get it. Well, you know, that's sort of true. But again, it misses the point that God wants to be our Father. Not our Father legally only, but our Father in a relationship. So, so when people take the contractual uh, 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 approach to this, uh, then, then they're going to take some point of the contract and they're going to be satisfied with being right around some point of the contract. It's like, like, like some people, if they can, some people, if they can get miracles in their ministry, then, you know, then they consider themselves anointed. And really that's pretty much all they want from God is they want a good ministry, want to be anointed, want to see miracles and really, really want to be in the spotlight. And so, and so when a person approaches God from the perspective of this is the contract, the sad thing is it never really leads to an intimate relationship. And, you know, all of these things in the contract, all of these things that are ours in Jesus should give us peace of mind, understand that we're safe, understand that we're secure, understand that we are sons and heirs of God right at this minute. And since we got all of that taken care of and we're not having to try to uh, labor and, and, you know, make all of these things happen, we have the freedom to have a relationship with God. It's amazing at the emphasis that is, that is placed on what we don't have to do by so many people in ministry today. I'll tell you that there, there's people that will find out about the love of God or they'll find out some aspect of the grace of God or the mercy of God. And suddenly their whole message becomes, this is what you don't have to do anymore. And, and, and we want you to know that you don't have to do this and God's still going to love you. Well, you know what? That's like being in a marriage in a country that doesn't allow divorce. You know what? I, I've ministered in countries that's against the law to get a divorce. And in those situations, a selfish person will abuse and misuse and be unfaithful to their spouse and know that their spouse can't leave them. They can't divorce them because it's against the law. In those situations, it's not a, it's not a relationship. It's definitely not a love relationship because there's no regard for that other person's feelings. Now, uh, that has become the unspoken message of much of what is preached today in the name of grace, faith, righteousness, mercy, and the love of God. And, and it's, it's, it's so, so sad that many people are settling for so much less than they have in God. Now, here, here's a relationship question that really we should all ask ourselves from time to time. And it's simply this. Is, do I treat God as if he really is my pearl of great price. Do I treat God like he's the most special being in my life? Or do I treat him as someone that I can neglect and abuse and legally he still has to be good to me? Now, we talked about this in the last two messages and, and 
You know, even though, even though the special offer that we're offering is, is about knowing and feeling the love of God, these aspects of, of the love of God are something you have to know. You have to, you, you have to get your head around this or else you'll, you'll take the love of God somewhere where you become the abusive child or the abusive mate. We talked about the fear of God. Now we all know that technically, the, the technical definition of the fear, word fear, as it's used in the fear of God, is is a reverential, is an awe and a reverential worship and love. In other words, it's something where you look at God and you're so in awe of how much He loves you. You are so in awe of the fact that He is mindful of you, that you love Him and you adore Him and He's special to you and you worship Him. But but as I mentioned this, and I think in both of the last two broadcasts, and and it's important that we mention this again, when the Hebrews translate that. Uh, they don't just translate it into the, uh, the specific words, but they interpret it into the concept. And the concept of the fear of God is the fear or the concern that you would break God's heart. See, this is a love relationship where we treat one another as special and as valuable. So if he's our pearl of great price, then we're going to be treating him like he's valuable. If he's not our pearl of great price, and I've got news for you, you're never going to really experience kingdom living. You're never going to experience what it's like to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What it's like uh, for all of the resources of God to be at your disposal and you have the confidence to participate in them. See, you may ask this question, if God loves me unconditionally, then why is any of this important? Well, see, the problem is not how much God loves us. The problem is, what do we have the capacity to experience from God? You see, nothing that God offers freely benefits us in this life one iota if it's not experienced. If we don't take hold of it by faith, because we trust God. If we don't trust God and take hold of what He has given us in Jesus and, and make it our own, bring it unto ourselves, make it a part of who we are, if we don't experience it, it is no benefit in this life. I'll tell you something, if we don't experience it to have the benefit of it in this life, then we may be deceiving ourselves about our relationship with God. And you know what? That's, that's not what you want to do. Experiencing God, experiencing the benefits of God uh, is, is one of the places where we keep ourselves attached to Him and His love for us, rather than just legally going and saying, oh, I can do anything I want to because I know God, God loves me. Mm, that's, that's really sick. You see, we talked about this, but I want to review. God experiences emotions, but fortunately, He's not led by those emotions. So what I want to do is I want to look at some scripture that talks about our capacity to affect the heart of God. And remember, just keep in mind, if I'm creating the likeness and the image of God, then that means He too is a social, emotional being. If I can get my heart broke, He can get His heart broke. The difference, though, between Him and human beings is even though he has emotions, he is not led by his emotions. He does not change his character by his emotions. And that's why he said in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you're not consumed. So, so we want to look, right when we come back, we're going to look at these scriptures that talk about us bringing pleasure to God, but we also want to get into the concept of God having pleasure in us. Now don't forget, be sure and like this program because I'm telling you what, we, we want to take this message to people 
all over the world. And if you will actually subscribe, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you'll subscribe to it every Thursday, you'll get notice of a new message. I'll be right back. You know, there is nothing more important for every aspect of your spiritual life, your physical life, your emotional life, than knowing and feeling the love of God. Yes, I said feeling. I'm not talking about just having information, just quoting verses. I'm talking about experiencing a connection with God that you can feel. When you feel the love of God, many things just change in your life effortlessly. Number one, when you feel the love of God, your self-worth is transformed and you start experiencing and having this sense of incredible value that God has for you. Second thing that happens when you're experiencing the love of God is your faith explodes because faith works by love. In other words, the more you experience God's love, the more you trust Him. And when you experience God's love, you're going to find that you will effortlessly uh, show love to other people because when you are knowing and experiencing God's love, it just comes out of you. This is going to be one of the most important series you've ever had. You know, there's a scripture I loved singing. It was a chorus that we used to sing uh, back in the 70s. It's from Zephaniah 3, uh, 17. And it says this, The Lord your God in the midst of you, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I want to tell you something. When God's, when his love quietens us, let me, let me, let me tell you what that means. That's not where you open to a, to a page in the Bible and say, see, I, I've got a scripture here that tells me that God loves me. So, yay, uh, 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 you know, I, I ha I'm fighting for my life over a disease. I'm trying to come out of financial stress. I got people trying to kill me, you know, whatever, whatever is going on. I got news for you. Being able to quote that scripture in the Bible is not going to really quieten you. It's not going to bring you to the place of peace. But your capacity to experience God's love in any situation will bring peace. And, and the word peace, as it's used both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is a word that is not just about having a tranquil state of mind. It's, it's about having a tranquil state of mind because you know all of your needs are provided for. You know that everything God has is yours. All of his resources are yours. So, so, God is, God is rejoicing over us, but the problem is we're not always experiencing it. God is always trying to pour out His love and His, and His protection in a way that brings us back to the place of peace. And let me say this. When you leave the place of peace, many of you are making this journey with, the, uh, 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 through heart physics or just learning to relate to God in your heart. When you leave the place of peace, you can no longer hear the voice of God in your heart. And, and that means you suddenly stop hearing God and you go back to trying to calculate how to make it in your mind. And that doesn't bring the peace of God. You know, the scriptures always intrigue me and, and it, and it reveals something about our desire and our capacity to experience God's pleasure, but also our desire and our capacity for God to experience pleasure from us. Psalm 103 says this, speaking of Moses, and it says, He made known His ways unto Moses and His acts unto the children of Israel. Man, I'll tell you what, I can remember the first time I ever read that scripture. I remember thinking, you know what, that's, that's what I want. I want to know God. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to see miracles. I want to see, I want to see the power of God. But if I have to choose between seeing 
what God can do and experience in who he is and why he does what he does, I'll go for, I want to know who he is. I, I, I want to know him. And, and that was the cry of my heart, you know, from the very beginning of this journey that I was making with God. So, you know, it's not evil to want to see God's actions, but the problem is, is when that's our primary goal, it reveals something about our heart. Now, Moses wanted to know God's ways so that he could know him. And that Hebrew word for know is very similar to the Greek New Testament word for know because it is talking about an intimate knowledge. In the Greek New Testament, the word for know, as well as this word for know in the Old Testament, is, a, is the same word that talks about a husband making love and intimately knowing and intimately connecting to his spouse. It's very, very intimate. Now, <clears throat> if a... Uh, if, if, if lovemaking, if it's something, and by the way, it should be the most intimate experience that we ever have with our spouse. If it's just sex, it's going to be one of the most selfish interactions we're going to have with anyone. Because when making love is about, is more about bringing pleasure and fulfillment, safety and value and intimacy to your spouse than it is just you getting satisfied, then man, this is an incredible act of love. Because stop and think about it. this. This is a time when you can get some of the most incredible uh, uh, pleasure, physical pleasure you could ever get. But whenever it is your intention that you are pleasing, not just sexually pleasing, but emotionally pleasing your spouse, you are making an incredible sacrifice. But But here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. People who make those sacrifices and who seek the joy and the benefit for their spouse, whether it's in lovemaking or whether it's just, uh, you know, eating a meal together and you want, you wanting your spouse to, ha you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, when, when Brenda and I are eating a meal together and there's something that we both like and, you know, I, I've cleaned my plate, she's cleaned her plate and, and, and there's a little bit more of whatever that food is we both like, uh, one of the common conflicts we have is, no, you take it. She's like, no, you take it. Because we both really want the other one to enjoy. But the amazing thing is that because your heart can only receive what it joyfully gives away. That's why God says in giving financially, it should never be done out of obligation because God loves a cheerful giver. Why does he love a cheerful giver? Because when we give anything joyfully, it actually creates in us the capacity to receive that very thing. So the person who makes love joyfully giving to their spouse, that's, that's going to be a person who's going to be more satisfied than anybody who does any kind of wild, bizarre sex you can ever imagine. So just having sex, though, it's just about using them to meet your own physical needs. And so God wants us to be in this relationship of, of intimately knowing. Moses was saying, I want to know God. I want to understand his ways, but I want to know him in a way that literally brings pleasure to him. See, when we only, uh, uh when we only want, uh, to know God's deeds, we're sort of like the person who only wants to have sex that feels good to us. It has little or nothing to do with love. It's all about selfishness. 
That's amazing today. And I see this happening in churches and they intend well. Let me tell you, I am not saying they're bad people or bad churches, but it's amazing churches today because of the overemphasis that legal uh, re religion put on you know, us serving God and, and us loving God without any emphasis on God loving us. Uh, churches today seem to think that the solution to that is that every sermon has got to be a feel-good sermon that, that, that re just reminds you of how much God loves you. Well, I got news for you. If every sermon that you hear and if all of your reading and studying is only about making you feel good, uh, you're just selfish. You're just selfish and self-centered because there's got to be, when love is being experienced in us, and when love is completed in us, there's always this desire to give it away, give it back to the one who's showing love to us, but also give that love to other people. That's what the Bible's talking about when it talks about love completed. You know, in Ephesians 4.11, it tells us that the work of the ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, that word equip is a compound word, which means to mend or to make whole, but it also means to equip to serve. See, if 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 our only goal is to make you whole, make you feel loved, mend these hurts and pains in you. First of all, it'll never happen because we we, we grow. There there are many things that we grow together, and it's like an entrainment. It's like as wholeness comes to my life. I need to, in order for that wholeness to manifest and become what it should be, I need to on an equal level, be serving and benefiting other people and giving love to other people. So so in order for real wholeness to come, see, it doesn't come just by hearing messages. It doesn't come just by people loving on you and giving to you all the time. It comes just as much from you giving to others and giving to God and this sort of thing as it does, as it does what God or anybody does for you. So if we attempt to serve without getting the whole, man, we will, we will feel uh, the, we will fill the people with bitterness and obligation toward God. We'll use them to make us feel better. If we attempt to get whole with no intention of serving, we just become selfish takers. Now, Moses wanted to know the way, the heart of God. He wanted to know uh, uh, what he could do to bring pleasure to the heart of God. Now, the difference between what Moses wanted and what the children of Israel wanted was rooted in their self-perception. In Psalm 90, verse 16, he says, Let your work appear to your servants and your glory uh, to the children. Now, we're just about out of time here, but we, we, we've got to get this concept here. The children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they had spent hundreds of years as slaves. They had a slave mentality. And see, for a slave, a slave doesn't make their own choices. A slave isn't led by their own integrity, by their own desires. See, this is what the government is doing today with people. When they get them on these entitlement programs, they turn them into slaves uh, uh, who, who can't make their own decisions, who can't uh, uh, prosper for themselves, who can't succeed for themselves. And so they just look to the government to answer all their questions, tell them what they want just so that they can get their needs met. Well, that's that's how the children of Israel were. It's like, okay. I just get up every day, every day, do what my master says to do, and I'm going to get fed, and I'm going to get some basic necessities of life, and that's it. So the problem is, when they got out into the wilderness with God, they still saw themselves as slaves. But I remember Moses had stood up for himself, and he had been raised differently than, than the children of Israel. He wasn't raised as a slave, and so he didn't see himself as a slave. And so basically as slaves, they said, look, God, just feed us and take care of us, 
but we don't really want to know you. Matter of fact, we're not even, we don't even want you talking to us. We're going to send Moses up to talk to you because really, we're, we're not really interested in that. All we want to know is what are we going to eat today? Where are we going to sleep today? Are you going to protect us from our enemies? And so the children of Israel, as slaves, they only saw what God did. But Moses not only saw what God did, but he saw who God was. You know, Paul and John in the New Testament, they go to great lengths to help us grasp the concept of sonship. Unfortunately, it seems to be something we've accepted as part of that legal contract, but it's not something we experience. We don't walk around feeling like sons. It's not really uh, affecting our lives. So Moses wants to see God's glory. And we all know the story of, you know, God passing before him. Well, what was really interesting was that he, he also desired to know God intimately. And so his heart was capable of receiving something greater than just seeing God's glory. Like I said, we all kind of know a little bit about the story. Well, Hebrew scholars tell us uh, about what the Hebrew language actually says. It says, God revealed to Moses his loving kindness, not his glory. Because really, you couldn't see the glory of God and live. See, God gave Moses what he asked for, but it really wasn't what God, what Moses expected. He expected to find something that brought him pleasure, but what he got was an expression of the pleasure that he was bringing to God. Do you want to hear and experience the pleasure that you're bringing to God? I'll be right back. Don't go away. Knowing and feeling the love of God is going to be one of the most important series you've ever heard. I'm telling you, there's going to be hours of teaching that's going to connect the dots on you and show you how to walk this path so that the love of God isn't something you just think about or quote scriptures about. It's what's driving your life. I hope you're making plans to join me in Huntsville, Alabama for Impact World Changer Weekend. You know, every year our world changers come here together and we just have a big celebration. We enjoy God. We have incredible worship. We have incredible special music and we have an incredible word of God. And I'll tell you this year, I'm going to be talking about the ultimate revelation, the ultimate manifestation of God. I'm telling you, this is going to be something that's going to open your eyes in ways that are just going to stabilize your faith and stabilize your life and open your eyes to more aspects of God's goodness than you ever imagined. So be sure July 14th through the 16th plan to be here. Now listen, there's no registration fee, but because of limited space, you have to register. And if you've never been to one of these, uh, be sure and make it to this one. And if you've got friends that you want to bring with you as a world changer, you're welcome to bring your friends as long as they're all registered so we can have enough room because it's going to be a party. You're going to have a great time. I want to see you here. You know, for your mentoring moment, I, I, I'm going to get you to ask some questions about stuff. But I just want to remind you, at the end of this segment, you're going to have the opportunity, it won't take you, but just a second to click the subscribe button so that you can get these messages every week sent to your inbox, but also so that thousands of people all over the world can get these messages and get this help. I, I'm going to ask you to make a serious evaluation about yourself. And you want to discover, am I really a relationship-oriented person. And it, it takes some incredible honesty, and sometimes you have to go ask other people questions. But what you might want to do is you might want to make a list of, say, the top three to five people in your life. You consider the most important people in your life. And you might 
want to first on each, with each person a answer the question, is my primary goal in this relationship to benefit them? See, because remember, love puts other people ahead of themselves. It doesn't mean we become doormats. It just means that we're not there to seek. We're not there to take. We're there to give more than anything else. And just be really, really honest. And you may realize you don't. And that's all right, because you can turn that around just by changing your intention. But then with each one of those people's names that you, that you have there, what you might want to do is say, okay, what are the things that I do to ensure that this person always feels valuable? You know, and make you a list of those things. Now, if, if you, if you get down here and you say, you know, none of these lists are really very long, then what you might want to go back and do is say, what would I like to start doing? What would I like to start bringing to this so that this person, uh, experiences value and worth? Now, see what will happen unless you're dealing with a bunch of selfish people, which you might be. And that's all right. You still want to walk in love. Then what happens is at some point, they will start expressing back to you uh, their joy over having you in their life, what the benefit that they're getting. Listen, this is what love is all about, bringing benefit to other people's lives. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.